Hello, and welcome to the Backseat Fanatic, brought to you by The Bold, CU Boulder's student publication. I'm your host, Ryan Brown, and joining me for our inaugural episode is my co-host, Maddie Klassen. Hello, hello. How we doing, sir? Doing pretty well. Excited to get this podcast kicked off. Yeah, man. Excited for the season. All right, let's get to it. Okay, so this podcast, uh, due to many reasons, I think especially including Thanksgiving break and finals, uh, hasn't gotten started until our eighth game of the season against UCLA. So the beginning of this podcast, we're just going to run through the first eight games of the season, talk about, uh, we started seven and one, which is huge. Just talk about how we've done so far and what, what we think has been good about the beginning of the season, what we think CU could definitely improve on going forward. So Without further ado, I think we'll just start it off with our first exhibition game against Mines. As could be expected, Maddie, we started off a little slow yep. against Mines in an seems, exhibition game. Seems to be a common theme this season. Yeah, we'll get into that. We've been starting really slow. Uh, we shot horribly from the three-point line against Mines. We shot 12%, and it was really clear we could get nothing going early. But heading into the second half, I imagine Boyle had some things to say about them getting their heads screwed on <laughs> straight sure against Mines. And they ended up just absolutely dominating the interior in the second half. We're much bigger than them, much more physically dominating than them. Uh, we ended up with a plus 20 differential on the rebounding. We really just packed the ball inside. Evan Batty and Jabari Walker kind of just closed that game out. We ran away with it by 30 in the second half. Exhibition game against Mines, not a whole yeah, lot to be Yeah, I said. mean, a bunch of freshmen, sophomores out there. So, you know, just them kind of getting the feel of being on a real college court. Yeah, and we'll get into that too. But we're honestly a really, really young team. We're playing two freshmen and four sophomores as a consistent part of the rotation starting as early as the Mines game. So there will definitely be some growing pains. Heading into the second exhibition game, I actually thought this was, uh, even though we lost to Nebraska at Big Ten, it was on Halloween Day actually, you know, they're a Big Ten team, they're a good basketball program, and I think I think the game as a whole was a pretty good sign for us. Yeah, no, definitely. It's a good kind of impression for a team like Nebraska. Yeah, absolutely. Honestly, we probably could have hung in the game a little bit better, but they came out to a huge early lead that we were never really able to come back from. I think it was, I don't remember exactly what the score was, but they were up, I think, 18, probably six or seven minutes into yeah. the game. They came out scorching from mm-hmm. the three-point line, and Colorado was trying to stick in a 2-3 zone, and Nebraska was just picking it apart. They have this, I think he's a freshman or sophomore guard. He couldn't be, couldn't be taller than six feet tall. But, I mean, he was killing us in the first half. They ended up shooting 40-40% on 27 attempts, and that means they made 12. Yeah, you're not going to win many games when teams shoot like that against you. Yeah, it's hard. We're going to get into that as well, but it's it's been a common theme this season that teams Colorado is playing are shooting more shots from behind the three-point line but still making a higher percentage. And if we can't figure a way to right that ship, it's going to be hard for us to win games against teams that are – as good or better than us this season. Into the Nebraska game, we actually we fought back in the second half, which I thought was a testament to this young team being able to compete, especially against a team like Nebraska. But we could never really recover from that initial three-point shooting. And, I mean, they ended up winning by 12 or 15. Moving on to the regular season. So we opened the season against Montana State, who's honestly a pretty good ball club as well. Colorado came out very hot from the three-point line. I think Keyshawn Bartholomew was 3-4 of four to start the game. So we looked like we were in really good shape, really different than shooting roughly 15% combined over from the three-point line in the first two exhibition games. 
But early, and this has also been a common theme throughout the early part of the season, Batty has foul trouble and is forced to head to the bench with two. So here's another issue with that is right now, Evan Batty, he's a senior. He's a fifth-year senior. He's a grad student. He's the oldest player in the CU program. He's been here the longest. He's our captain. He's our leader. It's undisputed. He's going to struggle with foul trouble all year because now that he's playing a role where he's our starting center and he's our main big man and he's our captain, he's going to have to try to stay on the court as often as possible, which we've already seen through the early part of the season. It's going to be difficult. Mm, no, definitely. Uh, he's, he's a big body. He plays really physically and any any big that can move on the other team is going to give him, yeah. give him issues. And he's that that big's going to get to the free throw line a decent amount. And I mean, teams know that now. You know, uh, absolutely. This early in the season, they already know that. And Batty's going to have to spend time on the bench. And as we get into it later, the more time Batty spends on the bench, the worse it is for this team. He's I don't know if he's our best player, but he's definitely the heart and soul of the team, and he's who's leading things right mm-hmm. now. So we're going to need him as much as possible. So this foul trouble situation means that freshman Lawson Lovering's got to come in because he's, he's Batty's backup right now. He's like a seven-foot freshman. He's, he's enormous, but he's just a little raw. He's not used to playing defense at the college level yet. No, that, that was definitely clear in the first few games. That uh, Just the competition-wise, it's something he's going to have to adjust to for sure. So this is something I don't think Boyle was expecting in the slightest. Colorado was down at half and down for the first 10 minutes of the second half against Montana State in the season opener. Uh, they, we just we couldn't make shots, and they were making shots. And then eventually Colorado locked in defensively by a run by Jabari Walker, who is just a gem, a gem for Colorado basketball and yeah. even maybe the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. Uh, they locked in de- defensively and were able to tie 80-80 at the end of regulation. They were able to force overtime. Season opener, and we've got an overtime game for the Buffs. Overtime was a little anticlimactic, honestly, because we scored the first five points. I think it was two baddie free throws and then an Eli Parquet and one. And, you know, we scored the first five points of overtime, and at that point, the game was pretty much over. So, albeit struggling, we were able to win the season opener. All right, so moving on to the next game against New Mexico. Uh, similarly, the first game that the Buffs played, it was a shootout in the first half. Uh, they couldn't really get any stops, but they were at least making baskets. Um, Jalen House, in particular, for New Mexico, the son of former NBA player Eddie House, He's a great player. He's fiery. He is really fun to watch. And he is, I've seen him play a couple times in person. He's, he's just aggressive physically and verbally. Yeah, and, he'll I mean, let you know. Yeah, definitely. Uh, <laughs> he's got that NBA dad ego to him a little it, bit. Absolutely. He's fun. He's really fun to watch. But he was killing the Buffs early. We could not get a stop on him. And going to halftime, Buffalo was, were only up six. Um, to start the second half, this is going to be a problem probably for the early part of the season, if not all season long, since we're playing such a young team. Turnovers were killing us in the second half, Mm -hmm. to begin the second half in particular. It's going to happen. We have 19-year-olds and 18-year-olds playing in the backcourt on this team. We're young. We lost a four-year starter in McKinley Wright, who was the heart of our offense, which we'll get into later, and, you know, our starting point guard for all of that time. But, I mean, that stuff's got to get cleaned up before conference play or else we, we will struggle, you know? Absolutely. We're going to be playing better defensive backcourts in the Pac-12 mm-hmm. than these teams that we're playing non-conference besides Tennessee and Kansas. That'll be interesting. But, yeah, when we're playing Pac-12 teams, we're going to have to clean up the, the backcourt offense and getting the ball across half court, and, you know, making good plays, getting our bigs the ball without turning it over. Yep. Can't, can't be a risk every time you try to get everybody the ball. No, yeah. So the bus or the New Mexico brought it within one actually at 
after this string of turnovers in the second half and Boyle called timeout. They were able to hang around for most of the second half. In fact, we just we really struggled to get stops until about four minutes left. Jalen House fouled out and they, they couldn't really hang with us any longer. We finally were able to spread out our defensive resources a little bit better and they were able to pull that game out. Yeah, the next game on the schedule was this main game, and the uh, the final score does not tell the tale of the game because the final score was ninety to forty six. You look at that, you're like, oh, see, you won by forty four. Score was twenty five to twenty two with five minutes left in the first half. And common theme again came out slow, kind of just trading buckets back and forth with Maine. And with about that five minutes left, we finally got into a groove. Offense started just putting the ball in the hoop. We, I believe, yeah, we shot fifty percent from three that game. Which, I mean, when you do that, yeah, you're going to score ninety points and win the game. And then, I mean, defense kind of just like locked in. But, I mean, this team, it takes a little bit for them to get in a groove. And I think we've seen that as kind of a common theme early in the season. So, I yeah, mean, it's, it's, absolutely. And good teams are going to punish you for that. Because if, I mean, you go down 10, 15 in the first half, I mean, good teams are not going to let you crawl back in. Right. You know, we, we had the benefit of this game being Maine. You know, they're not a super talented basketball program. Looking at the box score, yeah, that game, that game would not have totally told the tale because we struggled in the first half, and you know we were compete. Maine was competing with mm-hmm. us in the first half of that game. It was not that was not a blowout from the first whistle. No, it was. I mean, bucket for bucket, if you look at the box score, I mean, they score, we score. It was very back and forth until finally defense picked up and we got in a groove offensively. When as we've seen, it's our first eight minutes are weak. Yeah, I'm willing. No. I'm willing to go that far yeah, already. No. Is our first eight minutes are pretty weak. We cannot shoot the ball well. We're mm-hmm. usually not guarding the perimeter very well, so the other team shooting the ball well. Yeah. And in the beginning of not just the first half, but also the beginning of the second half, we just have it's almost like we have turnover jitters. Like at the start of no, the game, I, it's almost I, like a butterfly. It does thing. feel like we have a bit of jitters, you know, like everyone's a little timid offensively. No one's really like forcing the issue. And uh, I mean, that's something we got to figure out because we can't start every game, you know, down 10 to 2. Yeah. And then, I mean, three minutes into the game, everyone in the backcourt seems to calm down. Yeah, and no, definitely. And get their groove and feel comfortable taking care of the ball. But you can't start every half with 17 minutes left on the clock. Yeah, you got to no, start absolutely. every half with 20 minutes on the clock. Uh, so moving past the main game, okay, so the Buffs, the weekend of November 19th through 21st, flew out to the Virgin Islands for the Paradise Jam, and we played three games, Friday, Saturday, and Monday. We played Southern Illinois and lost, we played Duquesne and barely won in overtime, and we played Brown and barely won in regulation. So I think there are two ways you can look at this tournament. Number one we got killed from behind the three-point line in all three games. So just going through it, the loss to Southern Illinois, they shot 41% from three on 29 attempts. Colorado shot 29% from three on 14 attempts. Side note, Evan Batty only played 19 minutes in that game because of foul trouble. They ended up winning 67 to 63, only a four-point game. Against Duquesne, Duquesne shot 46% from three on 24 attempts. Colorado shot 21% on 19 attempts. Ended up winning in overtime only by eight. Against Brown, the last game in the tournament, they shot, they kind of struggled, but they shot 17% from three on 23 attempts, and we shot 11% on nine attempts. We only ended up winning by two at the end of regulation. And in that game, we only scored 54 points, which is strange for us. So if you extrapolate those three stats from those three games, they shot more threes per game than us, every th- single team we played, and they made a higher percentage of those threes. Doing some simple, quick math, if Colorado is routinely in games where the other team is shooting more three-pointers than them and making a higher percentage, we are going to struggle mightily offensively and defensively. Oh, yeah. It's just that's not 
a super easy way to play basketball where you're going to have to have the physical advantage against every team you play. And this CU team is almost shockingly physically talented. We're long, we're tall, oh, yeah. we're athletic. We play a lot of young guys with huge frames. Mm-hmm. However, if we're relying on that to win games all season long, we're going to lose some games we'd like to win. Yeah, no, definitely. That's just, that's just the reality. Definitely against teams that can shoot the ball well. Definitely. The other side of that is we played a 72-hour tournament in the U.S. Virgin Islands, and we were playing games that were at 1, 1 p.m. mountain time. Yep. So our guys fly out for vacation in the Virgin Islands. Yeah. They got Sunday off. I know. You know, a bunch of college kids in the Virgin Islands get Sunday off. Got to go play Brown the next day at 4 in the yeah. afternoon, mm-hmm. 1 o'clock Mountain Time. And that's why I just, I don't think you read too far into it. I mean, I don't think you would like to think, you know, these kids went there and were locked in the whole time focused on basketball. But I, I don't know. It is what it is. And I mean, you would have loved to be undefeated going into the game against UCLA, mm-hmm. but... You know, the losses against Southern Illinois, like you said, I wouldn't read too much into it. They they shot forty percent on twenty nine attempts yeah. on the three point line. That's that's hard to compete with, no matter what team you're playing. If anyone shoots mm-hmm. that many threes and makes that many, it's going to be hard to compete with them. And we still only lost by yeah. four. And the loss the loss doesn't hurt us. You know, if anything, it's no. a good learning point. So it's not terrible to have an out of conference loss. No, I mean, yeah. it would have been great going into the no definitely. Play. But that does bring us right to our next game, the first conference game of the year against Stanford, which was on Sunday, November 28th. So, Matty, I'll take it from the top there. I went to this game. This game was an awesome game to watch. Um, Like we said, first conference game of the year. So this is kind of when, like, you know, we got to lock up and play our best game. And what do we do? We started off slow again. You know, I believe we started down 7 nothing, 7-2. I was going to say really slow. 7 nothing. I think think it was – I think we – we didn't get our first bucket until like four minutes in, and uh, the turnaround was actually KJ Simpson, him forcing the ball offensively because we come out backcourt, you know, kind of timid, not wanting to do a whole lot. KJ Simpson comes in and really forces the issue, making really good passes, good driving kicks. We kind of came back in that game, and uh, we actually had a seven point lead towards the end of the first. Thanks to Evan Batty, um, I believe he shot four for four from three that game, which was huge. He, he was the one putting the ball in the hoop that game, and which got us that lead. And then we go on a five-minute scoreless streak. Yeah, not to interrupt, but I did. I wanted to say, yeah, Batty and Simpson were pretty clearly the reason that we were able to take that game from Stanford. Mm-hmm. Kind of two opposite ends of the spectrum, age-wise and you know legacy-wise. Yeah. The CU program, mm-hmm. KJ Simpson's an 18-year-old freshman, yep. and Batty's a 22 or 23-year-old yep. fifth-year senior. KJ Simpson was really impressive in that game. Yeah, no, because definitely. Because we're going to talk about this a little bit, but... CU has a point guard problem at the moment. McKinley Wright has been our best player for the last three seasons. There was no doubt who was going to have the ball in their hands. There was no doubt who was bringing it up. There was no doubt who was making decisions. And right now we've kind of got a trio of guards who are trying to make up. Fill those shoes, yeah. And those are big shoes to fill. They're huge shoes to fill. Eli Parquet, senior. Keyshawn Bartholomew, the sophomore. And now... KJ Simpson, the freshman, and he's been very, very impressive through the first part of the season. He is, I don't know if this is good for KJ Simpson or a knack on CU, but he's a freshman coming off the bench that's leading the team in assists. So if this team is going to struggle to have creation issues all season, I think KJ Simpson is definitely where we're going to have to look for that. Yeah, no, and I actually, 
I mean, I don't think you can throw him in the starting lineup yet, but I, I mean, he's coming in three, four minutes into the game. And... Yeah, no, I mean, it's hard to because the two other guards, Parquet and Bartholomew, mm. this is no indictment on them. They're really great players. They just, playmaking is not their primary skill. Yeah. And it seems at least early in his career that playmaking is going to be KJ Simpson's primary skill. Yeah. Not counting just general energy, which he brings in every game. Oh, I mean, dude, the way he goes to the hoop is, I mean, he's just a fun player to watch. You know, he, like you said, he's a playmaker. He likes, he likes to force the issue and that's important. That's what this team needs. So. And no fear as an 18 year old, no. which is insane, especially last night in Pauley Pavilion playing against UCLA ranked fifth in the country. Yeah. He's just no fear in, in that mm-hmm. kid's eyes at yeah. all. So uh, back to the game, you know, we went, we were up seven towards the end of the half and then, you know, we don't score the ball for five minutes and we let Stanford back into the game. And then it was very back and forth once we let them back into the game. We let up that seven-point lead. I believe they got like a four-point lead. And then back and forth, um, whole game, tied 66-66 to with four minutes left. You know, the deciding factor of that game is when it was tied, CU scored on their next three possessions, and Stanford didn't. Went on a 7-0 swing with, you know, three minutes left, and then they had to start fouling. And, you know, CU won a very tough but good conference game. And I think that was that was big for CU. Because we could have easily, you know, tensed up in the final three minutes, not got a bucket, and lost that game. But I think it's very impressive that we were able to pull that one out against a, a young but good Stanford team. Yeah, they are young. They're really young. I heard a stat today. I think Bill Walton was the one who said it, that the Stanford team is the youngest in the country in recent years besides the Duke and Kentucky team. Which, as he said, they use, in quotes, a very different business model. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, <laughs> they're, sure. using, they're using, yeah, I actually thought he put it really well. You know, they're doing one and done players mm-hmm. that are getting drafted or transferring if it doesn't work out for them there. And, you know, that's not what teams yeah. in Pac-12, particularly no. some academic school like Stanford yeah. is doing. Quick shout out, my boy Brandon Angel on Stanford, he played really well, 13 points. Mm-hmm. Actually saw his parents in the airport after, which was interesting. But uh, shout out, Brandon. Yep. Do you want to touch on Evan Batty's performance in what it meant historically for him and a couple of things that he broke that game and uh, also just kind of what it means for him and his last season on CU and as a leader for this team. Yeah, I mean, the first thing I want to talk about is that game he did score his thousandth career point for CU, which is, I mean, not many players do that. You know, he's been playing for, I guess, five years now, the COVID year or whatever. Um, but, uh, you know, that was the best game I think he's had in a long time and the best game I've ever seen him. 22 points, shot 8 of 11 and 4 for 4 from 3. I was going to say, if Evan Batty shoots 4 for 4 from we're gonna 3 every win game, we're going we're gonna to win every game we yeah. play if Evan Batty goes 4 for 4 from 3. And, uh, I mean, he was the one who really got our offense jump-started. Like I said, like, KJ Simpson was a big part of, you know, getting the ball into his hands. But, I mean, every time he shot the ball, I mean, he was he was banging these threes. And it was actually really impressive because every time he shot it, like, I think everyone in the building knew it was going in. And it was a really cool moment for him because when he scored his 1,000th point, I mean, standing ovation from the crowd, which he deserves because, you know, like you said, he is the hardest soul over team. It's clear. The players, I mean, got excited for that. And, I mean, I think it was a super tight game, and that happened. And the stadium was crazy. It was just a, such a fun atmosphere. Our defense was playing harder. Like, you could tell the team was, like, playing a little bit for Evan in that moment because it was just – it was a really cool moment for him. So I'm I'm happy for him because he definitely deserves it. I wanted to touch on that too, yeah. Uh, it was definitely the most excited and invested I've ever seen him in a game mm-hmm. as well as the fans and his teammates yeah. supporting him yeah you know, he's coming down the he's he's doing finger pistols after he's making yeah. threes, running down the court yeah 
I, I, you know, he's kind of an all-business guy typically, so it was, yeah. it was fun to watch him ex- no, enjoy that moment definitely. so much because he really deserves it. He yeah. deserves it. He's a huge part of this program. I mean, there were Evan Batty chants in the arena, and, you know, that was when I believe Stanford was shooting a free throw and we are chanting Evan Batty, and you can see him, like, smiling on the free throw line, and that was just cool to see, just as, you know, a fan of CU, a student of CU, to, like, show the appreciation for the athlete and for the athlete to actually, like, you could tell he was taking it in. I mean, I think that's awesome for him, so I'm happy for him. Some other key points of that game, we shot pretty well from three, 50% from the field. Defense played very well versus Stanford. Eight steals. I know Stanford had a decent amount of turnovers. And the last four minutes where we kind of sealed the game, is I think they had like two shot clock violations. I mean, they, they could not, they didn't get a quality shot, quality look in the last three minutes, which I think, I mean... Defense, you know, sometimes it's it's up in the air. It's good. It's bad sometimes. But when it counted that game, we we played really well defensively. Yeah, I mean, I think the defense is going to be an emphasis all year for us. You know, Evan Batty's not your traditional defensive center, but he's one of the smartest defensive centers in the country, and he makes up for what he may lack in like rim protection with you, you know running that defense. Yeah. And then Jabari Walker, who is by all means our best player overall. Yeah defense is what really makes him good and sets him apart he's he's got all the skills to be an elite nba defender much less at the college level so i think if we're going to be a great team which i believe we can and if we're going to win big games it's going to be because we're locking other teams down yeah not necessarily because we're scoring 100 points no, which i definitely. know is interesting because we've actually had a couple of very high scoring games so far this season but we will go as far as our defense takes us this year. That's the thing. In conference games, and even, I mean, this is a long way, but March, like, I mean, defense is going to be the deciding factor. And I, I think that's good for us because I think there's a lot of potential there. So, Thank you for joining us on the first ever episode of the Backseat Fanatic. Our next episode will cover Colorado's matchup against the fifth-ranked UCLA Bruins. The Backseat Fanatic is brought to you by The Bold, CU's student-run multimedia publication. The Bold can be found on social media at TheBoldCU or by going to www.colorado.edu forward slash student groups forward slash The Bold.